Amen. And thank you, guys. Psalm 23 says, Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an amazing thought that God, who is needless of us, he does not need us, God who sits in all power and all authority and, and, and possesses all things, would by his love and choice to love, would pursue us to have a relationship with himself. That he would come after us with his goodness. What an amazing God we serve today. And we're going to take a look today at a matter which calls us, uh, calls us to trust his faithfulness. The faithfulness of God that we know, uh, that we have walked with, that we've experienced, uh, this is a difficult text and one that causes us to have to rely back on that. Uh, we're talking today about submission in the family from Ephesians chapter 5. We've been going through Ephesians for several months now, and we arrive at a text where the Apostle Paul last week has instructed us about what life ought to look like uh, for those who are born again, that we ought to be different other than uh, the lost world. And the last thing he told us is that we submit to one another out of the fear of Christ. And then he goes on in three different specific relationships to talk about how it is that Christian submission bears itself out uh, in the Christian life. And he starts in the husband and the wife relationship. We talked about uh, a very difficult topic a few weeks ago, sexual immorality, very heavy, a lot to wade through. And truly, when it comes to the topic of submission, I feel more apprehension about uh, approaching that topic uh, than I did even the topic a few weeks ago, because this causes us to bristle a little bit uh, when we hear this word submission for a lot of reasons, I think. Let me just give you an example. Uh, Fletcher and Bailey Humphrey, our uh, youth pastor and his wife, uh, they haven't been married that long. When they were brand new married, uh, they moved into a place and the grass started growing and it got higher and higher. And Bailey said, Fletcher, when are you ever going to fix that lawnmower my parents gave us? When are you ever going to get it going and mow the yard and take care of this place? Fletcher said, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. He never did. So one day he came home and there sat little old poor Bailey out in the yard with a pair of scissors, just <laughs> cutting the grass, trying to make a point, right? Like, look, look what you've made me to do. And she's cutting the grass with those scissors. And Fletcher came out and uh, looked at her and handed her something. She looked up at him and said, what is this? He said, it's a toothbrush. And he, she said, what's this for? He said, don't forget to sweep the sidewalk when you're done. <laughs> That's why Fletcher still walks with a limp uh, today. So <laughs> these relationships are not always easy, are they? And the, the idea of submission, uh, it really uh, is unpleasant to us for one reason or another. Now, submission is not only for husbands and wives. Submission is for the, the, the Christian heart. We submit in so many ways, uh, but it is difficult to talk about, uh, maybe because of just our makeup as human beings. Uh, uh, after the fall, we are a rebellious people. We all have within us a rebellion against God's framework for everything. Uh, as Americans, we came into being through a what? A revolution. Uh, we, we don't like being, being laden with the control of a king or of anybody else, including God. And so we, we have difficulty with this. Original sin back in the Garden of Eden has poisoned all of humankind. And God's framework 
for all things, it's easy for us to want to just throw off and to remove the bounds of that. Also, I'm sensitive to this topic because I know of so many painful examples, some even in our own fellowship, uh, where there were um, issues such as abuse, right? Or control, uh, where there was abandonment and and neglect and the issue of submission uh, is just very distasteful. Under those settings, understandably so, and rightfully so. These painful examples plague us. We, we jump to the worst case. We jump to the what ifs. Well, well Matthew, well, Apostle Paul, well, Lord, uh, what if my husband is abusive? What if my husband is neglectful? What if the situation is dangerous for us? But truly, when you hear this put forth, it is put forth as God's best for us. It's not put forth for the most difficult circumstances. This is a gift and a love of God for the Christian family. And lastly, it's difficult because the broken messages of a, of a messed up world. We're, we've been told for decades now that there ought to be a competitiveness between man and woman, between husband and wife. That there ought to be a, a clambering uh, for first place. And if, if we have to climb over one another or we have to trample upon one another, our goal is to take hold of that top position and to not let go of it. We do not like the idea uh, of there being a cooperative harmony, even a submissiveness of wife to husband. It rubs us the wrong way, and we have a hard time getting over it. But this should not surprise us. It should not surprise us that followers of Jesus are called to submit. I mean, after all, what did the Lord Jesus do? I mean, he surrendered his life even unto a cross, right? He lived a life of submission, and we follow him. It should not surprise us that citizens of heaven ought to look otherworldly. And so if there is a pattern of this world that is locked in sinfulness and lostness, that is covered in shadow and darkness, if the habitual patterns of this world are evident to us, it ought not to surprise us that citizens of heaven look otherworldly. I think submissiveness, submission falls into that category. When I moved here from Chattanooga, I was surprised at how different the accents are between you and us. You know, enough that you notice. We went to Portland, Oregon on a mission trip, and somebody said, all y'all are from Georgia, aren't you? Except for you, right? They could tell the difference. Y'all do funerals differently here. I mean, in Chattanooga, we have certain funeral customs. I came down here, it was totally different. I didn't know if it was a funeral or not. It was so weird to me. Now, if moving from, from two hours away in Chattanooga, Tennessee, to Gainesville, Georgia, if there is a noticeable difference in where I came from then friends citizens of heaven man we ought to be totally different than a a lost and a broken world and so don't get your mind messed up with this idea of submission Uh, look at it from God's eyes and lastly it should not surprise us that the God who loved the world who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If, if God was so others-focused, then it ought not to surprise us that followers of God uh, have their attention others' word as well, that we, we defer to one another, that we are not afraid to submit and surrender our lives 
in the advancement of what God wants for his people. Don't let this stuff surprise you this morning. I want you to know here, uh, submission is taught all through the word of God. Uh, We are told as Christians to submit to the governing authorities, to the government and the secular authorities. The citation for that is in Romans. You see it up on the screen there. And in James, we're to submit to to, uh, the governing authorities. These uh, notes are on on the website. If you want to go look them up later for the uh, citations, you can. We're told to submit to pastoral authority in the church. Hebrews chapter 13. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. We're told to submit in the family, not only here, but in 1 Peter chapter 3 and elsewhere. Be subject to your own husbands. Be sub- submit to your own husbands. And lastly, we're told to submit to God. James tells us to submit ourselves to the God. Uh, we, we are a people of submitting. And this is a difficult passage because of so much baggage we bring to it. And so let's read it together. Our goal today and our title is to see this God's way. What God has in mind, uh, not, not the worldly lenses we often interpret it through. In verse 21 of Ephesians chapter 5, these words will be on your screen. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul has told us that as believers, we are to be submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 21. And then he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. That's where our passage ends this morning. But let me read on for next week when we're together, next time we're together. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. And if you'll notice in your Bible how many more words there are to husbands than there are to wives. In fact, the the submissiveness here is a mutual submissiveness. If you read on, you'll see from husband to wife. Yes, wives are to submit to their husbands, but husbands have an even greater instruction of submissiveness to their wives. And guys in the room, if we're not careful, we won't get this right. When we read the instructions given to us for our families, it ought to make us tremble with what's laid at our feet there. We go on, children are to submit to their parents, but parents also have a duty to their children. Uh, in this text, you'll see that it is a a mutual submissiveness. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and did what? Gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I'm saying it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. To obey God, friends, we need to understand what God is saying. And there are three guiding questions I want us to answer today. The first one is this. What does submission mean? 
What does submission mean? The Greek word is hypotasso. A hypo, like a hypodermic needle, right? It goes beneath your skin. You go get a shot, that hypodermic needle, it goes under your skin. Hypotasso, uh, it starts with the word under or beneath. And the second word, tasso, is to arrange or to order. And so the word submission here uh, means to order beneath, uh, to arrange under authority or rank. It is a military word. It means to fall into proper order. It's plain as we can make it. Uh, God is not confusing what God has put here. Here are a few things that submission does not mean. It does not mean blind, unconditional obedience. It simply cannot mean that. Because the Bible has told us as Christians to submit in a number of places, including to governing authorities. But what happened with the midwives when Moses was a little baby? Do you remember? And the governing authority, Pharaoh of Egypt, said, every newborn baby boy, you're to drown him in the river. Pharaoh felt threatened. What did the midwives do? They did not do that. They disobeyed the governing authorities. God's people have a long history of not always complying with the governing authorities when a higher authority has bound us to him. They did not do it, did they? In Acts chapter 4, They were told no longer to speak in the name of Jesus. The apostle said this, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. For we cannot speak, but we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. The governing authorities, the Sanhedrin even, said, You don't talk about this Jesus anymore. They said, No, we're going to do it. Uh, Submit to governing authorities at all costs? No, not at all costs. You remember Daniel in the lion's den. He said, don't you pray to that God anymore. Daniel prayed. You remember the Hebrew children. They said, you will bow down to that idol. They said, no, we won't do it. And so submission is not um, uh, surrender at any cost. It is not a blind obedience, not even of husband to wife. Christians in the the, uh, Nazi Germany were hiding Jews against their government's instructions. It is not an unconditional obedience. And don't get that wrong. If we approach this text, say wives submit to their husbands, all kinds of things can come to mind. This is not a blind, under any circumstances, obedience. It is not a subjugation of women to men. The Bible says here we're to submit to our own husbands. This does not say that all women are less than men right? It's not universal. It, 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 is, it is a loving, personal, relational thing. It's a, a Christ-like companionship. It is a personally surrendered faith to trust in God. It is intimate. It is real. Uh, don't get caught up in that. What else is submission not? Submission is not a response to the quality of the person. The Bible says here we're to submit to our husbands as we submit to the Lord. And what that doesn't mean is I submit to the Lord in, in, in all things unconditionally. I must submit to my husband that way. What it does mean is that we submit to our husbands as an act of submission to the Lord. We, we do that within our family because we are loving God in that way. We're doing it as if we're rendering it to the Lord. And it doesn't mean that your husband is smarter than you. In fact, it means your God is smarter than you. It doesn't mean that your husband is, is, is uh, stronger than you or, or more able than you. In fact, I was listening to another pastor this week. He said, uh, your husband may be much dumber than you. 
And he said, he probably is. Uh, he said, uh, it's, uh, Troy Wallace from Chattanooga, he said he was counseling a couple and uh, pre, um, pre-marriage counseling. And uh, he said, sir, sir, you need to be a leader in your family, a spiritual leader. The man said, well, my wife has so much more godly insight than me. It's like she just hears from the Holy Spirit. Uh, she has an instinct and an intuition with God's word and at a depth there that I envy and that, that, that I admire. And um, the, uh, the pastor said, well, you can still set the tone. Even if it means, sir, that you say to your kids, kids, get in here and listen to your mama. We're going to have a Bible study. <laughs> right? Listen, men, husbands, you can lead your family uh, without dominating them. You can love your wife and lead your wife without dominating her without neglecting her greater strengths. And she will have many greater strengths than you. And you will have greater strengths than her in some areas. You can do that without dominating. Women, you can exercise your greater strengths without defeating your husband. God wants this to work in a godly way. And that's what his design is for that. It is not a response to the quality of the person. You're rendering this to the Lord. And lastly, it is not trusted to the husband to enact. Notice the Bible doesn't say, husbands, see to it that your wives submit. Husbands, you better break her into submission. That's not what it means whatsoever. This is not trusted to the husband. The Bible has many words for the husband momentarily, and none of them says, you make her submit. This is an act of love of God given to the wife in this matter. It's not a license to abuse. It's not a license to control. It's not a license for a husband to sit around like a big Jabba the Hutt uh, and, uh, and just issue commands to his wife and to his kids, right? Uh, this is something special. That's what submission means. My dog, we have a, a really dumb dog, and um, <clears throat> I don't think he can see very well because he barks at things that really aren't there. Uh, he'll bark at shadows outside. He just, I mean, just go crazy barking. And, and I mean, as if like a lion is out there or something. And, and we'll go out to look, and th- there's literally nothing there. And the latest thing he's very afraid of is uh, cardboard boxes. And we just moved. Uh, so <laughs> we've got lots of cardboard boxes. If you want to have a lot of fun, get a cardboard box and just go after Arthur with it. Uh, <laughs> it is fun. His name is Arthur. Um, He barks at nothing, right? There's nothing there. Uh, Christians, listen to me. As your friend, as as your pastor, I love you. I want the best for you. So does God's word. When when we hear the word submission in the family, ooh, and it just electrifies us. I mean, we just back up off it. We're barking it. We're barking at nothing. We're barking at something God intended us for our good. Submission is not the danger. It's not the cutting sword that we believe it to be. It is very much contrary to the norm of our culture. If you want to be like them, that's one thing. But if you want to follow God in a different way, let's not be the ones barking loud at this, okay? Let's be careful. Let's know what it means. Let's not subject ourselves in a relationship to something that the Word of God never really intended for us to subject ourselves to. 
Let's not make those mistakes, but let's not make the opposite mistake either of saying, no, we ain't, we're not going to do that. That's not going to be a part of our family. Submission in the family should be illuminated by the perfect and loving light of the heart of God. His design for this is that marriages would flourish, that they would flourish, that families would be blessed, and that the world would be shown the transformational power of his gospel. That's something we can walk in if we will. That's what submission means. But secondly, second question, where does submission come from? Well, it comes from two places in this text. It comes firstly from God uh, overall, but as architect of all things, God has lovingly designed headship and submission into the creation order, back, way back at creation and into his plan of redemption. The Bible presents this in such a way that really no questions asked. It's a given. It's just understood. For the husband is head of the wife, period. No big explanation. That's just, it's as if everybody would know that. Going all the way back to creation. And we can see this in our created differences, can't we? If you look at how God has made us physically, we're different, and it's okay to be different. Differentiation is not discrimination. Let me say that one more time. Differentiation is not discrimination, and to be equal does not mean to be identical. Men are taller. Men are stronger. You can see in their musculature. You can see in their skeletal makeup. You can see in their, their lung capacity. You can see in the diameter of their blood vessels to carry oxygen uh, to the places it needs to go for vital functions, that men are created for some purpose uh, that is different than what women are created for. Women, uh, you have different centers of gravity. You have, you have different makeups. Uh, you are, we, our physical systems are different in such a way that it is evident that, that, that mothers, that wives, that women uh, have a bond with the child to, to physically nourish them. It created in such a way that for the mother to be distant from the child means the child will perish in the created order. We are different from one another. Men are created uh, not only in their physique, but uh, relationally. Relationally, men are created to want to work, to have the impulse to work, to provide, to protect, to defend, to preserve their families. Women are created with the impulse to nourish, to love, to, to shape a home. It's there. We see it in our created differences. Men have an aggression that is very helpful at times in defending and preserving the family. We see it in our created differences, but we also see it in the relationship between Christ and his church. Does God really mean this, Matthew? Does God really mean this? Well, here's what he says. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. How much is Christ the head of the church? Is that in dispute? No, and it's not in dispute that God has created headship and he has created submission as a part of what he intends for the family. You ever seen the, the NFL commercial where all the guys are saying, hi, mom, all the football players? It's a good NFL commercial. All these big old players, they played the games, they've won the games. They're on the camera, they're saying, hi, mom, right? Um, they're they're, they're uh, wanting to say, I love you, mom, right there, in that, looking right in that camera, I love you, mom. There's one with this big old guy, just finished playing a game, 
You can see him from behind. He's cutting through the crowd. He's, he's rolling through the crowd. It's not a staged moment. It's caught by an overhead microphone as he's getting through there. And he's saying, where's my mom? He wants to get to her. Uh, he wants to find where his mom is. You see his poor old dad sitting over on the sidelines, right? <laughs> I paid for that scholarship, you know, I, that tuition. You know, I bought that car. I was out working, you know, all this stuff. Uh, but listen. It's just, a tr- if, you, if you're paying attention, it's just the truth. Mom, dad, you're different. You're created different. You're blessed differently. You're gifted differently. And that is okay. And in both of these ways, in our created differences and in our relational differences, they are meant to be mirrored in the marriage relationship. When we are faithful in the difficult task, and it's difficult, of letting our lives take the shape of God's own design for us, there is a fullness of life and a depth of blessing in that. It is wise and worth it to do things God's way. And so don't get caught up in all that could happen. In fact, maybe we ought to look at what could happen positively if we do things God's way. Last question, what does submission look like? What does submission look like? In verses 23 and 24, we see that. The husband is to love the wife. He is to be the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their own husbands. How does the church submit to Christ? Here's two ways right here from this text. As a body to that body's head. How do the members of your body submit to your head? Right? Is it, is it, is it unwilling disagreement? Uh, it, it does, does your head abuse the body? No. There's a cooperation here and a collaboration where, where good things are produced when head and body work in concert with one another. How, uh, what does submission look like? It looks like the way the church submits to Christ. And the church submits to Christ as a body to its head. The Lord Jesus is our head. And when we work in concert with him, boy, the fruit of righteousness comes out of this. That ought to be the same thing in the family. There ought to be a concert of harmony happening between husband and wife. But secondly, right from this text, how does the church submit to Christ? as to one who lays down his life. You see that here? Uh, He himself is its what? Savior. We relate to Christ as a body to a head. We relate to Christ as the one who has laid down his life for us. This is not repression. This is love if it's done rightly, men. It is honoring the cross-bearing image of Christ born by the husband in the marriage relationship. Listen. Listen, submission is not repression. It is honoring the cross-bearing image of Christ in the marriage relationship that is the duty of the husband. Just the other day, we finished moving. You may not know this, but we had a house fire. Bad house fire and and lost everything. And uh, in, in a moment, in a moment, one evening, the house is ours, and the kids ran out of the house with no shoes on, and it was, it was not our home anymore. I can't overstate the wreckage that that brings. 
Uh, you might think, well, it's just stuff, and I do praise God that we're all here. I mean, listen, oh, what a different situation that would have been. But it, it brings a lot of wreckage there. We have spent the last three months uh, doing all kinds of things, trying to <clears throat> make a life, and you've been wonderful. And we bought a new house just the other week, and we moved into it. You were wonderful then. You brought us food. It's great. Uh, days and days of moving and settling and all of this. One day, uh, one Saturday, after we were uh, done pretty much, family left. I was just sitting at the kitchen table. And Erica said, you don't seem right <laughs> to me. She says that a lot. Uh, no, <clears throat> not really. But she said, you don't seem right to me. And I couldn't say a word. I just started sobbing. I don't cry like that often. But just, you know, whole body, whole self, tears and snot and chest and shoulders. And you know how that goes. Just sobbing. Olivia, our sweet, compassionate daughter, she looked at me. She looked around the room. She got up and left. You got out. <laughs> We're very sweet in our family. Um, <clears throat> Erica said, what's wrong? I couldn't even answer. It took a long time, and I, and I don't know exactly why, except that it was finally over. Now, it's not totally over, but for the most part, it was over. And for two and a half months, every day, late, late into every night, I'm talking four in the morning most nights, uh, emailing, making decisions, insurance, and, and uh, dealing with um, things we needed, setting up counseling for the kids to, I mean, uh, just every, every part of me was in, in bringing them with some type of safe passage through this. When I heard that something was, uh, we might lose the house we were renting, it turned my world upside down to think of them having to move again to another temporary place. Uh, to be disrupted like, I mean, every moment, every particle of me was bearing the weight of that. And then finally on that Saturday, I guess it was over for a minute. And I just sobbed. Listen, men, husbands, that's our job. Both in crisis and in the commonplace, it is onto us that God has leveled the responsibility and the burden of emptying, of emptying ourselves in order to deliver our families through this life. We have that duty both spiritually and temporally. That's us, men. Now, everybody worked hard in my house. Erica is unbelievable. Oh, you would not believe the labor and the thought and the, that she put into that. But ultimately, I knew a, a very well-established truth. Oh, I knew that ultimately that belonged to dad. That belonged to the one who stood at the altar on that early day before any kids existed and looked at her and said, I do. It's me. That's what God has trusted to us men. That's what we'll talk about next time we're together, really. In the commonplace and the crisis, that belongs to us. We hold that duty to bear the weight for their well-being, to expose ourselves to danger, to weakness, 
and to loss, to see them through the perils of this world. And wives, I want you to know today that submission in your family honors and upholds that God-given role. Does that mean you don't have any influence over your husband? I hope not. I would be a, a far worse person if I did not listen to my wife. And if she was not daring enough to come in and say, you're looking at this wrong. To say, hey, I think you need to think differently about this. When I'm in a bad mood to say, Matthew, this is not their fault. Why are you taking, why are you being grouchy to them? I mean, it, wives, praise God, you should influence your husbands. But, but the heart attitude here, it begins at a place where you choose a disposition of grace toward your husband, a, a place of deference toward him, where under Christ, where under Christ, you say, this is going to be the model I'm going to follow. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what my grandma said back on that hippie campus in the 60s, right? You know, I, 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 don't, I don't care the, the pattern that they set up for us. Uh, what I care about is the Lord Jesus. Does God want you to be abused? No. Does God want you to submit and to subject yourself and your family to, to junk like that? To control? To neglect? To abandon? Oh, I got to submit, you know. I, I got to submit. The Bible says that. The Bible says submit. But I want you to know what God means when he says it. In a Christian household, this is a beautiful thing. In a Christian household, uh, just the multiplied blessings are present. In a Christian household, the world looks on and says, what's different about them? That's crazy. But it's not crazy. It's the mind of God. And so there it is. That's it. That's the text today. It's given to us plainly. I want to ask you, have you tried it? Have you tried it? Are you taking God at his word? Have you approached him as a loving father in this matter? He's not a dictator on this any more than he expects you to live under a dictator. This is your loving father. Have you approached him like that in this matter? It's for your good. It's for his glory. And that is something we can submit to. Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'd like to give you a chance to respond. It's probably not a message you would typically respond to, but it's possible today there's somebody in this house who knows you need to come to Jesus for the first time. I don't want to stop that because we've had a different topic today. I want you to be able to come. Maybe you'd seek the waters of baptism today or church membership. Maybe you come to recommit your life to Christ. You've been walking far from him. Maybe you would come today because you have understood this differently. And, and truly, if you were honest in your heart of hearts, you've been walking with the world on this. And you can tell the places it has shown up in your family. You can tell the places it's shown up in your spouse. You can tell that the fullness and the multiplied blessings of God really haven't been following you on this issue. Maybe you'd come and bow the knee. Maybe you'd hug your husband or your wife and say, honey, honey, I, let's do this God's way. Today's for you. And if you need to respond to God in any way, no one's looking, no one's judging. 
Why don't you come? Lord, we thank you for the word of God, for trusting it to us. Thank you that you have a different way. Oh, God, thank you that you've given us as Christians a different way. Uh, we would be walking the way of the world, Lord. We would be walking the way of darkness. We would be marching into hell, Lord, but you have shown us the light of Christ. Why should we, of all people, be afraid to place our feet, to walk, to step under that light? Lord, help us. Help us to just hold you so high with what you've made us brave enough to do, to walk in your way. And we thank you for this today in the strong and saving name of the one and only Son of God, the Lord Jesus himself who submitted his life that we could be saved. In his name, we thank you. Amen. Let's stand and sing, and maybe you'll respond as this choir leads us in song.